I'm gonna go ahead and jump on in. I imagine others will might be coming in. Um, so good to be here. Missed you guys last Sunday. Um, pray for me. I'm going to share in the main meeting this morning, and I feel sort of out of sorts for some reason. I just, like Judy says, it's the enemy, you know. But just really appreciate your prayers, and I'm going to share some thoughts on prayer under grace. And uh, seeing, you know, prayer under grace as opposed to prayer under law. Is there a difference? And there's a huge difference. I think it'll be encouraging um, because, well, don't get started. But I do want to say, wasn't Jeremy awesome last Sunday? That was so, I heard it on the, the website. That's why I put this up here. If you didn't get a chance to listen to Jeremy's short 15, 20-minute talk, it's on the church's website. You can access it through that or directly on my website. But please, if you haven't listened to it or, or if you were here last Sunday, I recommend just hearing it again because um, that, is so, that was so cool on so many levels. You know, you've heard the word organic. We've talked about organic, an organic church or what um, being an organic fellowship is. And the word organic just means life, living. Um, and the thought behind the organic church thinking is that life, the life of Christ, will manifest through his people in, in their gifts and his leading and in words and in service in a living way, as opposed to a program that is imposed on people to do things God's heart has always been that from the spirit of life, that gifts, callings, um, service, words, all these things would come forth in a, in a living way. And that's why you don't see in the scripture this blueprint about how to do church. It's just not there. We get little pieces of it here and pieces of it there. And we try to figure out what was it like, you know. But there's a reason why there's no blueprint on how to do church in the scripture because God doesn't want it to look the same everywhere in every generation. It's a living thing. It's, that's why he says, sing a new song to me this, this, in this generation. I want a new song. And don't sing the song that they sang in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Sing a new song. You know, God is, is, is ever new and living. I mean, think of, think of the creativity of God that he creates the fish in the sea. Oh, my God. I mean, can you, can you imagine another fish? I mean, another type. I mean, all these different things, you know, like uh, we saw um, Colby and I were watching TV the other day, one of the shows he likes on TV where they, they're going out in the woods and they were talking about a beaver, you know, and, and I was talking about how the beaver's tail is that big flat thing that hits the mud and makes his home and stuff. I mean, look at God. I mean, God's like, I think I'll make a, an animal that makes his home out of trees that fall. I'll give him big teeth. And then he can block water and build a... Yeah, he'll have to web feet. have to have web feet to swim. And then he'll need something to pat the mud. A big tail, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And here's a beaver. Awesome. You know, and all these animals. I mean, anyway, God is so creative. And, and uh, that's why the world is bored with church. The world is bored with church. I'll give you a clue. 
The world is bored with church. It's, they're not only bored with it, they um, are repelled by it sometimes because of bad teaching. Uh, legalistic teaching that puts condemnation on people and puts people on a performance treadmill to, to try to be better people so God will love them more. You know, it's, it's the whole revelation of grace that sets people free. And um, so anyway, so this Jeremy thing, what, the way it happened, very unorthodox, very unorthodox, very unconventional. He's, he has been listening to our messages on seeing grace. He sends me an email and says, dude, you know, he goes into the email that I made a copy of and gave it to you guys. We gave it out last Sunday, two-page email. And just, you know, excited about the message of grace and the finished work of Christ and what, what he's hearing us say in here. And, he, um, and he, he touched on something I thought was so powerful in that email. And he said, as you recall, he said, you know, I used to think that speaking the truth to each other was really a matter of just going to church and hearing messages and sermons and that kind of thing. But he said, you know, what I'm really seeing is that God wants us to speak the truth to each other all the time. And the truth being, and he got it right, the truth being that you're a new creation, that you have a new heart, that God is your dad, that you are righteous in Christ, that you are loved of God. That's the truth that sets you free. Not what is in the flesh. The flesh is the flesh, but that's not truth. Truth is, goes deeper than what we were in Adam. The truth that was hidden and now revealed in Christ is what Jesus did and who he is. That's the truth that sets you free. So, and so he, he talked about how, you know, he, he, would, he was imagining, wouldn't it be awesome if we, uh, you know, had coffee together more often and had dinner together more often and had, you know, each other over to our homes more often and grill steaks and, and encourage each other and speaking the truth to each other. And what, what would that look like? He, he, was, he was thinking about all this. Well, that's, that's what God's heart is. I'm, I'm convinced that it's, it's not, it's organic, it's living, it's, it's this spontaneous encouragement of each other. Because once you see, um, as Paul says, um, know no man after the flesh anymore, but after the Spirit. Once you really begin to see, we really do see each other as sons and daughters of God, as heirs of God, as my brother, my sister, and you speak from that truth and you encourage from that truth and you, you help restore faith in those who may be weak in the faith and you, you help redirect their, their vision from, from looking at the flesh and looking at this world to looking at Christ and who He is and who you are in Him and who they are in Him. So it's a, it's a dynamic that's living and very powerful. Um, and so to know each other after the Spirit, and not after the flesh, is so key to this organic church thing that is evolving or that is emerging or coming forth in, on so many levels and so many different places. And so um, it's exciting. I, I think we're in a, we're in a place of, um, of great discovery um, because we need each other and we need to be uh, real with each other when I say real with each other, what I mean by that is there's no, there's, there's, no, there's nothing in the flesh that all of us have not encountered in some way or another. I mean, we're all, we all have the flesh. We all have the power of the sin that tries to trip us up. 
That's part of what's being real. But the other part of what's being real is be real about who you really are. Don't stop there. Don't stop at, you know, the flesh. We all have the flesh. But being real is being real in the sense that remember who you are, that you are a daughter of God. Of God. And um, it's awesome. So that's what's being real to me. See, some people say, oh, just be real. I don't want to hear all this, you know, righteous stuff. I need, I got to talk to somebody who's real, man. Talk about my problems and somebody I can, you know, well, that's good. But that's not being real. That's being half real. Exactly. It's good to be real about, you know, confess your faults one to another, share your faults, share your weakness one and pray for each other that you may be healed. That's awesome. That's important. That's part of it, you know. But, man, don't, don't camp there. Don't make that a pity party where we just all talk about the flesh. I mean, as if Jesus never came and did anything. That's not true. That sets him free, you know. So let's get, let's get past talking about all our fleshly struggles and weaknesses. Not ignore them, but get past them and see beyond. Look, not on that which is seen, Paul says, but that which is unseen. But that which is seen is temporary, but that which is unseen is eternal. And let us encourage each other. As Jeremy said, to speak the truth to each other, know each other not after the flesh but after the spirit. It's awesome. Because we're, really what we, we do, what, what God has us doing, is he, he's reversed everything. Say, under, under the law, it was always we had to initiate everything. Everything was initiated by man. Even the greatest commandment was a burden on man. You love me with all your heart and soul. And you love your neighbor. You know, Everything was on man to do. But he's reversed everything. Now, under the new covenant, the greatest commandment is not for you to love God and you to love your neighbor. If we could do that, then he didn't have to come, right? No, the greatest commandment under the new covenant is you believe that I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. And you believe that I love your neighbor just like I love you. If you believe those two things, which is embodied in the, the death of Jesus, for hereby we perceive the love of God in that he gave himself for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. So those commandments are embodied in the work of Christ, the finished work of Christ. We believe he did and does love me. And in that we receive the gift of his life, his spirit, and now his life Goes forth. Not that we first loved him, old covenant, but that he first loved us, new covenant. And what are his commandments, John said? They're not grievous. These are his commandments. He said he gives, there's, there's really only two, he says, and it's not really a commandment, but he says, if you want a commandment, I'll give you two. It's not really a burden. So there's one. One, to believe, number one, believe on the name of the Son of God and to love. Love fulfills everything the law was trying to get us to do. So in that believing, he lives in us and through us. And that love is able to, to manifest. So he's turned everything around. It's all reversed. And so what we do as a body of believers, we facilitate life. We do not manufacture it. We facilitate life. We do not and cannot manufacture divine life. Facilitate, I mean, you get out of its way. You you help, you help it, you nourish it, you nurture it, you encourage it, you move in faith in the unseen and let it go. And with no hooks, no hooks and no control of man, but you let God be God. We facilitate life. 
That's awesome. That's what the world will say. Wow. This is, there's, some, there's a buzz about this place. There's, I feel God loving me. I feel welcome. I feel drawn in. What is this? What is it? This is not a typical church program thing. You see what I'm saying? And I don't know how all this is supposed to look. I don't know how it's supposed to look. I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but I'm telling you, around the globe, because of the message of grace, because of the message of the finished work of Christ, because of Jesus' message, in that seed, in that word, that seed is the DNA. And it's the DNA that has in it all that is necessary to produce the organic living body of Christ. Just like in the seed of an acorn, in that acorn seed is the DNA to do the roots, the limbs, the leaves, everything. The whole tree is in that seed. The whole tree. Even more acorns. Lots. Lots. Like somebody once said, uh, I love this saying, somebody said, anybody can count the seeds in an apple. You know, you can open the apple and count the seeds, but only God can count the apples in a seed. That's what it is. Apples in a seed. Isn't that cool? Imagine how many apples are in a seed. We're not talking about just that tree, but that tree's seed creates more trees than those apples. And those, how many apples are in a seed? Only God knows. It's probably bigger than the national debt. Probably not that big. But I love that. You know, only God can count the apples in a seed. I love this. I just love that. I love the path. The Spirit is bringing us on in simplicity, Christ-centeredness, informality, and a, a desire to facilitate life and to see each other after the Spirit, not after the flesh. Powerful combination. Because as we love each other and encourage each other, no matter how one of us may fail or stumble or fall, the enemy can't get in there and destroy that person because they can't isolate them. And he can't make them feel condemned because they're surrounded by too many people saying, dude, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. The enemy can't break in, can't divide you up and destroy you and isolate you and make you feel like you're the only one that struggles with this, or you're the only one that can't put it together, or you're the only one that can't get your life together, everybody else has got their life together but me, or whatever the enemy is lying to you about. See? Man, God is so wise. He has set this thing up. The enemy has no defense, no defense to the awesome truth that where sin abounds, abounds, Grace does much more abound. He has no defense to that because of the Lamb of God who died, who took away the sin of the world. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself, not counting their sins against them anymore, if they would but believe. Isn't that awesome? The enemy has no defense. That's why Revelation says, talked about the saints who were martyred and some killed for their faith. 
And the scripture says in Revelation says they overcame the beast. They overcame the spirit of the beast and the beast. They overcame this world because of the blood of the lamb. He couldn't condemn them. He couldn't get them depressed. He couldn't get past the blood. He couldn't get past the blood. They overcame the beast by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. We believe, therefore we speak, Paul says. We believe, therefore we speak. The word of their testimony means they, that doesn't mean the testimony of how good God's been to me in my life and answered my prayers and given me a job or whatever. That's good stuff. But that's not what he's saying there. You overcome the enemy because of the word of your testimony. What is your testimony? Paul told Timothy that the testimony of the Lord has now been revealed and given to Timothy and to the world to, to proclaim. The testimony of the, of the Lord. Who, that which was hidden before the world was, he said to Timothy. What is the testimony of the Lord? The testimony of the Lord is that He came. He came. Became one of us. The, the awesome incarnation. He became one of us. And took upon Himself the sin of the world for all people, for all time, for all generations. He took our place. He took our judgment, the testimony of the Lord. He took it all by the offering of one forever, all sin, all barriers between God and man destroyed the testimony of the Lord. So what is their testimony, the saints' testimony? As he was crucified for us and judged for us, they believe. As he was raised for us, they believe. And they say, we believe, therefore we speak. And they say, oh, I too was crucified with him. I've already passed through judgment. And I too was buried with him. And I too was raised with him. For the testimony of the Lord has become my testimony. I live now in him. My life is hidden with Christ in God. I sit with him where he is as he came to me. He has brought me back with him. The testimony of the saints. And the third thing they said, and they loved not their lives, even unto the death. The life in this world didn't matter. It was, it paled in comparison to what was going on inside here. With the eyes opened to what was real and what was eternal. They loved not their lives, even unto the death. The enemy has no defense. Awesome. Millions, 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 millions. I had something happen last night. It was really cool. I was just thinking about this morning and I really I sensed the Lord say to me that he said, I am your anchor. I am your anchor. And then he said, I do not expect you to hold on to me. But I, no, I do not expect you to be able. That's what he said. I do not expect you to be able to hold on to me.
but I will hold on to you. That's what anchors do. Anchors hold on to others. And it's an anchor that goes beyond the veil. You're anchored in that unseen reality through him. He is our anchor. So awesome. The enemy has no defense. He has no weapon that can pierce the shield of faith. It'll quench every fiery dart, Paul said, to simply believe the truth. Anyway, so I just, I'm so thankful, Jeremy. Oh, yeah, I didn't finish the story. Um, the way this happened, so unconventional, so unorthodox, is that um, he sent an email and said, you know, he's so blessed by everything. And so I just felt, you know, this is really good. So I said, do you mind if I put your email on the blog, on the website? So it's on the blog. If you ever want to go back, if you lose that copy of it, it's on the, it's no, November of 2010, I think, is when I posted it. It was about that time when he wrote it. Um, so, and he said, sure, man, no problem. You know, so I, it's on the blog. And then he's emailed a few times since then about other messages. And I just felt so good about his spirit and what he was saying. And then um, he said, oh, man, look, hey, we're going to be down. My wife and, and my little boy are going to be down to Disney to, for vacation. Can we, we'd love to meet you, have lunch, whatever. And I said, oh, dude, I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be at LSU, Kentucky game with my family. Um, oh, man. So, so it was like one of those things where, gosh, I wish it would work worked out and, and then the thought came to me, you know, and I think it was from the Spirit, just ask him to do the class, ask him to share with the class what he has experienced from these messages. And so I asked him, and he kind of got blown away, like, <laughs> you know, that's one of the, the, those unconventional things and unorthodox things as opposed to, I don't know, having to go through five committees and, you know, send your resume <laughs> and whatever, you know. As the spirit leads, and of course, there were some safeguards there, you know, also. I told a few of you guys in here that if it gets real off or something, just pull the plug or something, you know. <laughs> but I'm not afraid of that. I mean, because it's actually, it's good, you know, if somebody gets way off on something and you spot it, that's good. You know, it's like, it's like learning what counterfeit money is. You know, they don't give you the real money. They give you, I mean, they don't give you counterfeit money. When you study what, what is counterfeit, they give you the real money. And you hold it and hold it and feel it and touch it and smell it. And so that when you are given the counterfeit, you know immediately that's counterfeit. And that's good exercise that we all need to be able to discern the spirits, you know, and know this is of God, this is not of God. This is of Christ, it's not of Christ. But anyway, but it was so, it's so cool to see um, how it worked out so well. Because I never got, I, to this day, I haven't met him. I mean, you, you've met him, I haven't met him. But just by phone and email and texting, you know, and um, just felt so good about it. So then when I heard his message that's on site now, um, I, felt so, I felt so bad for him because he got lost coming over here, you know, and, and um, I know he was just feeling, he was feeling so bad. And, uh, and, and he, said, he said that you guys made him feel so welcome. He said it was so awesome the way you guys made him feel so welcome and so loved. And I mean, they were, they were like freaking out how awesome, you know, the saints in this place, they stayed for the main meeting. Um, they loved Clark's teachings, Clark's messages. 
Uh, he loved that part about where I love what Clark teaches about how God said, you know, in the, in the new covenant, you know, I'm going to do my part. But since you can't do your part, I'm going to do your part, too. And that really touched him. And that's so true. That's it. That's the new covenant where God says, I'll bless you if you under the old covenant, I'll bless you if you do things Well, they couldn't do things and they got cursed. So God says, I'm a, I, I, find, I find fault. I love this. I find fault with that old covenant. Because it causes me to find fault with my people. So I'm going to change that. Because I'm going to fix that. It's going to be a new covenant. Of course, it wasn't like a plan B. He had all this plan from, from the beginning with Abraham. And the law was added just to show us what his thoughts are. But it had an end. The law had a beginning and had an end. And so when he had this second covenant, this new covenant come in, God did our part too. So under, under the old covenant, if you are righteous, I will bless you. They couldn't do that. So now in the new covenant, God says, okay, same deal. If you're righteous, I'll bless you. That's my part. Since you couldn't do your part, I'll make you righteous. Win-win. So anyway, it was so cool how he shared that about Clark's messages. It blessed him. And, but it, it, on so many levels, this was so cool about Jeremy coming in here because he's up there in Nashville. And... There are people all over the place that are hearing these messages that we're encouraging, we're blessing in different countries. You know, I get a report from Daniel once a month that says all the countries that have been hitting the website. It's exciting. It's, it, it's exciting. I mean, Croatia and Canada, um, the, uh, Singapore. Um, hey, Joseph, are you listening? Um, uh, um, yeah, all these, what, what other countries? Germany, there's France, there's South, South Africa. Um, this is so cool. You know, all these, and, and they continually, every month, it's the same numbers and maybe a few more. So you know it's the same people that are just listening every month, which is kind of cool. God is very big. And he, he loves to do big things in little ways. It's one of his things. He likes to do big things. In little simple ways. How are we going to take care of Goliath? We have the whole Israeli army here. And the king of Israel. How, this is a mess. How are we going to fix this? Ah, uh, put that little shepherd boy over there, David. We'll fix it. Big thing. Little. The scripture says he was crucified in weakness. But he lives by the power of God. It looked weak. This is your hour in the power of darkness. They took him in the garden and it looked weak. It looked silly that God would let men tie his hands and drag him and beat him and crucify him. It looked weak. Paul says in the Corinthian letter that he was crucified in weakness. It appeared weak, but he lives by the power of God. What seemed to be a disaster was a whole new world for all of us. Awesome. This God is so cool. We've got a few minutes left. Can you share with me how uh, Jeremy's sharing last Sunday affected you? I'd like to hear some feedback and just from you guys if you want to share, if anybody wants to share something that touched you or something that meant a lot to you, and then we'll wrap it up this morning. And I'm going to go scribble some few more notes down before the main meeting. And Thanks for praying for me, but 
with the meeting coming up. I really, I really feel like a lot of people need encouragement today. The thing that yeah, he's Yes. I thought, oh my goodness, this is just awesome. That's so true. And you can see the joy that he has. My answer to my prayer was, God, where is the joy? I knew there was something wrong with what I had because I didn't have joy. I just was depressed all the time. Then when I found the gospel, I was so full of joy. I was just grabbing people out of their cars and going, guess what? Isn't that funny? Guess what? You know, I like the way you said you. I like the way you said you found the gospel and you were a believer for many years, oh, yeah. a church planner and all this. Awesome. And he was the same thing. See, he was he was in religion, and and his story was my story, and so I felt so connected to him. But I think it's really the story of us all. Yeah. Yes. You know, I forgot that I forgot that point, but that is so true because that happened to me too, in my life too. I think you you almost have to get to a point where you have nothing to lose. I mean, if, you, if you're still trying to play the game and, and court favor with the pastor or looking for a position in the church or you don't, you don't want to lose your Sunday school job or whatever, or, you know, you don't want to rock the boat, you're in seminary or whatever, or you've got some books you've already printed and published and they're out there, they're, they're wrong, but you don't want to say they're wrong because you need the revenue, you need the royalties. I mean, whatever, whatever your self-interest is, you have to come to a place where you are more desperate for truth than any self-interest you may have, whether it's a job or money or prestige or, or just don't want to look like you're an idiot for being wrong all these years, <laughs> whatever. You know, self-esteem, whatever. It, you have to get to a place where you have to, I don't care. Like he said, he said, uh, I don't care. If God says Buddha is the truth, I'm going to Buddha. You know, I don't care. I want the truth. If God, if God the true God, says Buddha is the truth, then I'm going to Buddha. That's the kind of attitude you have to have. Of course, Buddha is not the truth. <laughs> But that's where you have to get to. You have to get to that point. I think it's awesome. It's an exciting place to be. It's like stepping out of the boat, walking on water, and you're going like, this is crazy. But God, if, I, if you don't hold me up, I'm going to sink. If this, is, if this is you, if this truth is you, bid me come, and I will come, and I will leave the boat, and I'll walk on water. It's awesome. And you can't walk on the water when you're looking at the waves all the time. Yep. And so That's it. That's it. Even Paul says, you know, tossed to and fro by every wave of doctrine and uh, circumstance and that kind of thing. That's and then, the website. And he said, you know, I, don't, I have to listen to it over and over again. And if you're in a situation where you don't have somebody, like we have each other and even in our home, we talk about the gospel all the time. I know you guys do. Right. And that brings up another good point that he said about listening to tapes over and over again. Um, there's something about the way God uh, teaches through me, but I've heard this for 20 years that 
people have listened to the messages over and over and over and over again, and they get something new almost every, every time. It's because there's something about the way the gift works in me, the teaching gift, is that it's layers. There's layers of stuff that's coming out. And what happens is your spirit will pick up on one of those layers, and you'll begin to absorb it and receive it and enjoy it. While you're absorbing and receiving and enjoying it, there's other layers are being laid that you miss. And Isn't that cool? But I've seen that. And then so when you play the tape back, you've already, you've already received one of those layers, but now this is another layer that you, oh my God. What, where was I when he said that? But that's what happened. So I really encourage you to listen to it over and over again because it's something about the way, it's like a compressed CD or something. You know? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Jim, Russ. Speaking back, you know, back on the uh, organic comment that you made, uh, Jeremy and I had a exchanging conversation on the phone this week because uh, he's still got a lot of questions going on. And it's great to encourage a brother. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. We come out of a very similar background. But this is the organic nature of the church. And understand that we live, God is outside of space and time. In our spirit, there's no age in the spirit. The revelation is constantly going on. And what it was so cool, he goes, you know Noel Cookman, don't you? And I said, yeah. Come to find out, the guy that you mentioned last Sunday, John Cookman, that had encouraged him in Christ when he came into the truth that he was really looking and he says, i got to go straighten my roommate out. Remember that? Yeah, talking. that was cool. got to make sure this guy gets back on track. Well, John is the much younger brother of Noel Cookman. Noel Cookman is one of my best friends. No way. Yes. And that's up in Nashville. Yeah, and Noel is in Dallas, Texas. And 20, 30 years ago, Noel and I had the privilege of co-pastoring a fellowship in Raleigh, North Carolina. And... When we had left there, and I came back here, and he went his way, when we came into the truth of the finished work of Christ, we began to call each other and say, is this really the truth? You know, is this really it? And I remember saying to, to Noel, this is it. This is the reality. Right? Yes. This is Jesus himself saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, this is it. And that was, how many years ago was that when you had that conversation with Noel? 25. 25. That's right, about about 15 or so, 20. And, and uh, isn't it awesome that it was not like another fad, yeah. another trend? Exactly. I mean, you're, you're more crazy now than you were back then. <laughs> crazy in God. You know what I'm saying? Yes. You're more excited now. I'm more crazy now than I was when I first. You don't, you don't get burned out with grace. That's what's so awesome. You get burned out with law. A little leaven, leaven's the whole lump. and I got burned out with law. But I don't get burned out with grace. It's been since 1985 when the revelation came to me in 85, 86. And it's just, you can't get burned out on grace. That's why Paul says we, we, faint, we faint not because we have received mercy. You can't faint if, you, if you're always forgiven. You're always loved. You're always in union with God. You're always his son. You're always, always welcome. You're always, we go boldly to a throne of grace, not judgment to find find mercy, to obtain mercy, and to um, find grace to help in time of need. I mean, it's like, it's like the best ever. It's like, it, there's no loopholes, there's no fine prints in this covenant. You don't get burned out. I mean, there's, there's nothing that can separate you from His love. That's what Paul said. He said, I'm going to list, you know, let's, he goes, let's start with sin. 
who's going who's gonna to condemn you? Christ has died. Let's start with the biggie, sin. That's not going to separate you from his love. For Christ has died. And then he goes through you know, the whole list. Angels, principalities, cold weather, hot weather, things to come, things in the past, upset stomach, too much pizza. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. So anyway, but that's organic. But talking about the organic nature of the church, how all these relationships. And you know what's also very cool is that I mentioned um, to Barbara, Judy, and Dale the Sunday before it happened. And to Russ, to just let heads up, this is, this is coming, you know, so Russ would know to meet him and make sure Russ and Hazel, so in case there was any problems, you know, Russ would just deck him one and no. <laughs> in love. In love. In love. No, but I, but I mentioned, isn't that cool? I, met, I mentioned to, to Barbara and Judy and Dale in the church the Sunday before it was going to happen. Just give you a heads up and be praying about it and so forth and and then after the meeting last Sunday, they just happened to go out and have lunch somewhere in Orlando and run into Jeremy and, his, and Jody and his little boy. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's, of all places, that's cool. Of all places. So you don't, that's not even a place you regularly go. Or no. That's organic. So here's, so here's God just saying, okay, send them on their way and encourage them. And they had great fellowship at a restaurant that you didn't even know existed and it happened to be Jeremy. And them, I mean, come on. That doesn't happen. That is not a coincidence. The, the Lord, the shepherd, is guiding. Life is facilitating, being facilitated, and therefore life is being manifest, manifested. If you facilitate life, life will manifest. Like the, I love that, that little scene in Jurassic Park. You know, life will find a way. They try to control, you know, the dinosaur life, you know, and try to control it and, and, and the, the guy goes, you know, the guy that says, no, you're, you don't understand. You're going to have a big problem on your hands because you can't control life. Life will find a way. And that's true. God speaks to the movies. He speaks to anything. God, life will find a way. Awesome. Barbara, you? Yes. In the spirit. Yes. When the spirits connect like that, yep. it's really neat. That's big spirit people. Yeah, that's so true. Um, Tully was back there when he was speaking. I was, you know, getting ready to go to the game in Louisiana, and so Tully texts me, and he goes, "When Jeremy starts talking, and Tully texts me, and he says, this guy is a spiritual gold mine.'" Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he goes, "Wow, this guy is a spiritual gold mine." So cool. But it's, it is spiritual. See, that's why I felt good about asking him to come without ever having met him. Just from his words, the emails, and conversations on the phone. And this is really cool to see that um, it's like that. Remember that old book that Jamie, Jamie Buckingham wrote years ago called Risky Living? Remember that back in the 70s? It's called Risky Living. Jamie Buckingham, you know, he wrote books back, he wrote the book for Catherine Kuhlman and uh, her biography, and uh, he was really a big leader in the charismatic church back in the 70s, Jamie Buckingham. Really neat guy, but he wrote Risky Living, and that's what this is, Risky Living. But it's really not risky. It's, it's as risky as walking out of a boat on water with Jesus already on the water waiting for you to come. So how risky is that? It looks risky, but you got the creator of the universe there saying, come on. So on one, from a human standpoint, this looks like risky living from the flesh, but from God's standpoint, it's like no-brainer. 
No-brainer. Come on. You've got God on your side. Come on. Awesome. Lord, we just thank you so much for what you're showing us about life, about the gospel of grace. Thank you for Jeremy and Jody and their little son. Thank you so much for the, the life they brought to this fellowship. And we pray your blessings on Jeremy and his family. We pray that these words, these messages will go out to many people like Jeremy and encourage many. Just thank you, Father, for your, your love toward us. Thank you, Father. You always, always love us. Always. You said, yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. An everlasting love. And with loving kindness, I have drawn you to myself. Fear not. I will help you. Fear not. I will help you. Amen.